Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 366, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. A lot to dazzle and entertain you with, man. The the Mavs, as, as we record this, and as many of you listen to this, the Mavs somehow are still alive. They're like that dude from Mighty Python that's had his legs cut off and his arms cut off and is standing there as a stump going, it's just a flesh wound. But they're still alive. They're still alive. We've got the Rangers first week, and we got to get into another Cowboys mock because you and I are recording this on Thursday. Many of you will listen to this on Friday, which means that as we sit, we are exactly three weeks away from round one of the NFL draft coming up. So a lot to get into. And it's all made possible by our great sponsors. And of course, Greening Law at the top of that list, man. And I've worked with them. I know many of you have worked with them. Several of our listeners have called Greening Law when something has happened to you, whether it was a car accident, you got hurt on the premises of a business, whatever the case may be, or you looked around like, this is completely not my fault. And now I've got these medical bills stacking up and I got to deal with these insurance companies. You don't know what to do. That's why you call Greening Law because they step in and they handle all that stuff for you. All that crap, all that extra behind the scenes that gives you headaches, man. Greening Law goes to bat for you. They are wizards at what they do. If you find yourself in this situation, give them a call and see if you've got a case. And you know the number, don't you? 972-934-8900. And it's all, man, it's all about having somebody to ride with you, somebody to walk you through this process. Matt been talking about this process for a couple of years. That's how long that thing can take. Greening Law, they will hold your hand. They'll put a flashlight up there. They'll have a torch light for you tell you where to walk, turn left, turn right, stop right here, hold tight for a minute. Hey, why are you holding tight? Let us set up a doctor's appointment for you. They do all that stuff, man. So if you're involved in some kind of accident, you've had some kind of injury, and it happened away from the crib, don't even think about it, man. Call the number, 972-934-8900. Say, here are the details of my situation. And as I like to say, hope like hell that they bring you on as a client. And then, don't forget, they don't cash a check, they don't get paid, they don't get a nickel, a dime, a quarter. Unless you get paid. That's exactly right. That's how it works, my friends. So let them go to bat for you. 972-934-8900. To Robert Greening. Call him now. Office, Dallas, Texas. 
So the Dallas Cowboys, we're going to dive in. We usually do this once a week. So we got a couple more to get to before the NFL draft on April 27th gets underway. Draft weekend will be upon us before you know it. And the Cowboys have multiple needs. So as we know, the Cowboys sit at the 26th pick in the draft, which is wedged in between just after the New York Giants and just before the Buffalo Bills. And this will be interesting because would they trade up? Might they want to trade up? Let's see how the draft goes. So I've started the draft for C.J. Stroud goes one. Wow. They've got Houston taking Anthony Richardson number two with Bryce Young falling to the Colts at four. Where does B. John Robinson have to drop to for you to be interested in making a move up to get him? Probably, uh, probably where are the Bills drafting? The Bills are behind us at 27. Oh, I would say probably 20. Because I think, this is just me now, I think at 20, I can probably get him for a fourth or a fifth. That's what I think. I don't think I have to pay a third to move up, you know, from 28 to 20 or 26 to 20. Well, let's see. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, let's see because we have gotten through the top 16 picks. So the first half of the first round is done and B. John Robinson is still on the board. Okay, okay. So let's see. What happens here? He is still on the board. We can trade up to 21 now and get him. All right. Fuck, I'm down. Ooh, I, I got so excited in the world. Dirty word. <laughs> All right, let's see what it takes. So we're going to propose a trade yeah, here. Yeah, let's see what it takes. Let's see what it takes. With the Chargers. Anything other than a three. Anything behind a three, I'm good. All right, so you want to send him. We got to obviously send him our, our 26th. Of course, what do people have the Chargers mocking? Because what if they put Bijan Robinson with Austin Eckler? They could, and Eckler has requested a, tra- a trade. Yeah, so that's a, lot, that's a lot of money on your running back, so because he's already making six million. So we'd be flat. We'd be sending them down five spots and giving them a fourth. I told you I could live with that. Should I just throw in a seventh just to for shits and giggles? Because I don't care who we draft in the seventh round anyway. Yeah, sure. Although I thought we were taking the Michigan kicker in the seventh round. Oh, neat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's do that and see if we can get up to 21. They declined it. Well, fuck them. They don't want that. That's Kellen. All right, he's still on the board. Should we try again with Baltimore? Because they took Joey Porter Jr. at 21. Uh, Yeah. You know what's interesting? They traded back with Minnesota. So they liked Minnesota's offer. I just realized that. Well, that's fine. We weren't trading. A f- we didn't want to give away a, uh, anything more than a third. I guess we could have. Yeah, I guess we could have given him a fourth and a fifth. All right, let's see if we can make this happen. This is going to be nuts. So we'll give him a fourth. Let's let's try a fourth and a sixth. All right, and see if that'll do it with Baltimore. No, nah, they declined it. Did they now? Well, screw them, buddy. He's still there. So. This is, we may be in a situation where we've tried to trade up, we've been rejected. This is like Dak when we tried to trade with Peyton, uh, with the Broncos and the, uh, whoever, that, the, the Raiders, and we were trying to take Connor Cook and all these other guys, couldn't get him and ended up with Dak. This is going to be very interesting because the two teams ahead of us, the Jags do not need him and the Giants don't need him. No, so I'm not trading anymore. Yeah, so now we're going to sit at 26 and see what happens. The only reason we're trading is because we don't want Buffalo to jump ahead of us and go grab him. Bijan Robinson is on the board. Dalton Kincaid went to the Jaguars at 24. 
and a cornerback, Keely Ringo, went to the Giants at 25. You mean he just set their force? He's sitting at 26. We also have the Bengals, who are trying to jump ahead of the Bills, that have offered us the 28th pick and the 92nd pick to pick up a third rounder to move up, and we would drop two spots. So we get an extra third rounder, but the Bills very well may go after B. John Robinson. Right, who else is on the board? Nolan Smith, the edge from Georgia, is still here. Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver from Tennessee that they brought in and that I think that they're interested in. So though I would say at this point, one of those two guys would most likely still be there if we drop down two spots and pick up the third. But is Bijan Robinson gone? And do we feel like we've got a steal right here at 26 with Bijan? No, we got a steal at 26. We're going to take him. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Because he's a, you want the elite player. So just take him. All right, there it is. Bijan Robinson is a Dallas Cowboy. Well, the draft's over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pair, you, look, the, if, the, if the whole idea of this draft is getting weapons for the offense and making it easier for Dak Prescott, adding right. Bijan Robinson to Tony Pollard coming out of the backfield makes it easier for Dak Prescott and makes the offense better. There's no argument there. None whatsoever. That's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, the other thing about it is once, like, you know, and I hadn't thought, I hadn't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but it's real, man, which is you're not going to franchise Tony Pollard next year because he's going to be making $13 million. So you're not going to franchise him. So you're either going to work out a long-term deal with him as he turns 28, mm-hmm. which seems unlikely, or you're just going to have him and um, Bijan together for a year, making magic, and then he'll leave, and Bijan will be your number one guy, and you'll f- surround him with uh, you know fourth and fifth round picks who who can take a little edge off of him. So it basically takes care of your running back situation for the next five or six years. Exactly, and and I think that I mean I I I really do think if if Bijan falls into the twenties, I think the Cowboys very seriously consider making a move up, even if it costs them a third to get up there and get him because of how highly he's ranked, everything he did at Texas. I mean, this is a dude who is an absolute stud and that's a legitimate first rounder that you could get in, in the twenties. And, and what you have to also think is when we pair him with Pollard, can he be like Zeke in 2016? Yeah. Cause you had number love for Zeke in 2016 in 2017 and 2018. It was give him, feed him, give him more. He's great. He's a game changer. He's a difference maker. He's this, he's that. You would expect Bijan to be that as a rookie, especially if you pair him with Pollard and they both get, you know, one guy gets 200 carries and the other guy gets 170. Um, They could do some damage. You could have the most explosive running game in the league to go with the weapons that you've added in passing, and that could make you one of the best offenses in the league if Mike McCarthy can call plays. Yeah, and and again, for those of you who are like, oh, well, you don't need this guy – the value's not there. You can get a running back in the third or fourth round, or you can get a game-changing running back to me. And in, it, in years past, I don't know that there's been a guy in the last couple of years I would have done this with in the first round. But the reality of it being, I don't care what happens six years from now. No. I just I don't. Just said, we're trying to pair up right. Pollard, who's one of the most explosive runners in the league. Probably, probably the most explosive. Uh, because, again, remember his average touchdown distance is like 33 yards, and the next highest guy is like 15. Right. 
and you're trying to pair him with a guy who's supposed to be the second coming at running back as a rookie when he's got fresh legs. And so what you're hoping is you can catch some magic in that first year. Add it with Dak and the passing game, it really make it really make it happen on offense. I like it. I think everybody would be stoked. I mean, some people would be pissed. It's stupid to take a running back in the first round, this and that. It's it's whatever to me at this point, and they can figure it out six years from now when you've got a completely different offensive line and half the guys on the I mean, not even half. I mean, how many guys on the team right now are here six years from now? Five? Probably, yeah, I was going to say probably about 10, 12%. So I, I just, it, it doesn't, I don't care. Go out there and win it now while you've got a wide open window in the NFC. So here we are in the second round. Pick 58. Some of the names on the board are Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas. You've got Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa. Derek Hall, the edge rusher at Auburn, who I like a lot. You got Noah Sewell. Really, you got your choice of a linebacker. You've got Derek Hall, the edge from Auburn, or Marvin Mims, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, is sitting here in the second round. I'd probably take the edge. That's what I would do. And that's because Tank is uh, getting a little older. And uh, and then you can do him like they did Sam Williams last year. You can spot him in there. Plus, uh, Dorrance Armstrong has probably got another year left. Uh, Maybe this guy can be his ultimate replacement. Uh, because he's going to want a bigger check in a couple of years when he's a free agent. Yeah, Derek Hall is 6'2", 255. And he was he was quite productive at Auburn. He was their best pass rusher for two years at Auburn. And I want to say not this past season, but the year before, if I remember correctly, I think he was the second or third in the SEC in sacks. So he's a guy that gets right. to the quarterback. So, yeah, I think we'd be happy with the Derek Hall selection there at 58 as you move into the third round. And now you can start thinking about wide receiver, tight end, I mean, anything could be available for you here. It just depends. Offensive linemen. And I'm not, look, unless he, unless they played in the SEC, I couldn't tell you shit about offensive linemen. <laughs> well, now you're moving toward, already you're moving toward, just give me guys who can play. Give me the best available player. And we'll who see who that is. Oh, whoops. And a spot. Yeah. So Dallas is on the board here with the 90th pick we have Washington has offered us the 97th pick and an extra fourth rounder that's pretty good if you want to drop back seven spots in the third round well who's on who's on the board right now man nobody of note that jumps out to me that I am familiar with other than a running back but we don't need one now you know you you've got yeah let's just take that we pick up an extra fourth why not see what happens so we drop seven spots Man, yeah, at this point. We're already into the anonymous names? No, I mean, there, there's some guys. There's an offensive lineman from Wisconsin, which you can do worse than getting an offensive lineman from Wisconsin. That's for damn sure. Right. Your guy, We've Luke Whippler the, from uh, Ohio State, is here. And one lineman on the team that I don't remember. Cameron Latu, the tight end from Alabama, is here. Henry To'o To'o, the linebacker from Alabama, is here. Trying to think. Jaden Reed, a wide receiver from Michigan State. DeMarvian Overshone, who we took last draft that we did. The linebacker from Texas. Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver from Ole Miss is here. And he'd be an intriguing option if they want an Ole Miss wide receiver. This dude's 6'2", 220. 
Oh, and Jim Nagy from uh, the Senior Bowl pointed him out with film yesterday and said, "No man that big should have feet that move this fast." He's he's a he's a he, it's like he's carved out of stone. I got to interview him last year at SEC Media Days. He's a, in my fifteen minutes with him. He seemed like a good kid. All right, let me see. The only thing is, I don't think we need a receiver for the Cowboys. Okay, so if you don't want to add receiver. Then where do you want to go here? We do do we want to add offensive line in the third round? Do we want what is uh what are the linemen of the, Oh, we don't have a tight end yet. I mean Latu is he's six four, two forty two. And he's you know, he well, blocked he, he blocked okay at Alabama. He was more so used in the receiving game at Alabama. He's two hundred and forty pounds. He's not blocking anybody. Henry Toho Toho, the linebacker who was Played middle linebacker for Alabama. He he's six one two twenty seven. That's undersized too. Yeah, he was kind of a smaller dude. He played at Tennessee, then transferred to Alabama. But he was all over the field last year. I mean, that dude was always by the ball. He's one of those guys. I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't, maybe we just add to the line and just take either the kid from Wisconsin or the kid from Ohio State. What's the kid from Ohio State play? Guard. Let's see. It's got him listed as a center. O C. Oh, okay. Six two three zero three. We don't need a center, although I like the position flicks. Let's take the other guy. Yeah, okay, so, yep, this is Joe Tipman. He's 6'6", 313. He is also a center. That's huge for a center. Most centers are like 6'2". Says in the notes about him, he shows great range as a pulling blocker. So maybe you can throw him over at guard, and he's got multiple positional ability. Yeah, that's big for a guard too, bro. I mean, he's not playing like tackle. tackle. His, his body sounds like a tackle. I mean, unless maybe they can use him and he's a, a, a versatile guy. I don't know. All right. Well, let's take the guy from Ohio State. I would like a better guard center. Combo. Okay. Well, there he goes. Plus, so. plus Biotish will be free in a year. Maybe this guy can be the center when Biotish leaves. There you go. Luke Whipler, the center from Ohio State, is our selection in the third round. And now we get two fourth-round draft picks, which is great because we traded with Washington and picked up an extra fourth-rounder. So we can really add to the depth of the team here. <laughs> Yeah, I like the way you said that, Mel McClaren. Thank you. Yeah, this will be interesting. So now if it played out this way in the fourth round here, we've got pick 129. I'm trying to think what the other pick was that we traded. Oh, man, I lost my place. Oh, here we are. So our, our pick's up in the fourth round. So now we've got to decide what we want to do here. As we have lost Jacques, Jacques has gone away. And who knows why? This is something that happened. Maybe a wire fell out. Maybe... I don't know, but he will join us momentarily. We will get Jacques back as you are listening to live coverage. Well, we're not live by the time you listen to this, but for us, this is a live technical issue that you are listening to as we try to work this out and figure out what we're going to do with our fourth round pick here for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> oh, you got to love it, man. Maybe I accidentally traded for a fifth round pick and I thought it was a fourth round pick. What happened to that pick that we had that I thought was an extra fourth-round pick? Oh, well, I don't know. All right, so Jacques is back. Oh, see, I thought you dropped. No, you dropped. I don't know what happened. So we have our, our pick here. It's 129. Cameron Latu is still on the board, the tight end from Alabama, if we wanted to go that direction at this point. Other tight end options, and I think that this might be more likely, is the kid from Michigan, Luke Schoonmaker, who's 6'5", 252. Right. Cameron Latu, who we already mentioned, is 6'4", 242. 
So Schoonmaker's 10 pounds heavier. You also got Will Mallory, a tight end from Miami, who's 6'4", 240. Payne Durham, the tight end out of Purdue, who is 6'5", 253. I think the dude from Michigan is supposed to be the best of that group. Yeah, that would be my selection here at 129. So we get our, we get our typical fourth-round tight end, and we're going to call it a draft right there. <laughs> So for us, our and look, I got to tell you, man, if the Cowboys come out of this, Bijan Robinson sells it to me. He was our pick. He fell to twenty six. We got him. Derek Hall, who can get to the quarterback. I mean, Derek Hall is a guy. I kind of thought. I wonder why he hasn't been making a little bit more noise. I don't know that he'd be there at fifty eight. To be honest with you, in in reality, because that's a dude. You know, he's six three, two fifty six. He was a three-year starter at Auburn. He was team captain. I mean, this is a guy who had a really solid collegiate career. So I don't know what it was. He had nine sacks as a junior and was first-team All-SEC last year as a defensive lineman. I mean, this is a guy I think is going to be a solid NFL guy coming off the edge. And I, I, from what I think and what I've seen, because I've watched him play every game last year, I think he's better than Dorrance Armstrong is. Hey, and Doris Armstrong is a solid NFL player. Right. So, so I yeah. think Derek Hall has a lot of upside, and I think we'd be – I'd be stoked if the Cowboys were able to get him in the second round. I think that works. Luke Whipler, the uh, offensive lineman who can play center for us if we need him at 97, and then Luke Schoonmaker, the tight end from Michigan. And, I, you know, I, I'm a fan of this. The Cowboys have, have done more of this. These are all, we got a guy from Texas, a guy from Auburn, and two kids from the Big Ten. I like that. I like big school power five players who are used to playing in big time pressure environments and playing other big time physical, sizable guys on a regular basis. No, I mean, you know, that's actually been a hallmark of the Cowboys under uh, Will McClay is they like big time players from big schools uh, because you know that they've got production uh, you know that they've they're used to playing in front of you know a hundred thousand people, so the the stadium and the crowd and the attention's not going to bother them. And they've played at the highest level of competition. Um, for them, that's that's why the Jalen Tober thing to me was so surprising because that's you know that's a Group of Five school and it's the third round receiver. Just like yeah, typically they don't roll like that. They're big school guys, so yeah, um, I like those guys uh, for the reasons that you mentioned. Yeah, so there you have it. I I, I feel solid about that. I mean, I. If the Cowboys in three weeks come away with that in the first four rounds, I will be ecstatic. Because again, and this goes back to you saying, I don't know that they need a wide receiver because you talk about some of the things that they've already done, the guys of their own that they re-signed, and really the trade for Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore, if they nail the draft, man, this could be a very, very exciting team going into the beginning. I mean, hell, we're only three months away. Well, three months and a half probably from training camp. I mean, it's going to be here before we know it. Dude, that's why um, that's why in this draft you come away with B. John Robinson, it's all good because you're putting yourself in a position to have one of the most explosive offenses in the league a year after you didn't uh, with B. John Robinson, with Pollard, with Brandon Cooks, with um, uh, CeeDee Lamb, with uh, yeah. Gallup being a year removed from knee surgery. And you hope, you hope, there's been no evidence, but you hope Jalen Tolbert can be what he, what he was supposed supposed to be with a year of uh, basically a redshirt year so we will move forward here but that's kind of a look at what might happen for the cowboys 
I'd be very, very surprised if Bijan was there at 26, but you never know because you never know how teams view the running back position. And, and if he gets past Philadelphia at 10, then I right. do think that there's an – I'll be very curious to see once he starts falling in the teens, not just the Cowboys, but is there another team that looks at that and goes, okay, that's a guy that we have like in our top three on our board. We, we got to go up in, at, at 15 and get him or 17 or whatever the case is. He, he's going to be really fascinating if he gets out of the top 10. Well, then it becomes a matter of is somebody else going to make a move. But, you know, the problem right. is, and you mentioned it, is that there's such, even though he's an elite player, there's such a feeling about running backs that, um, you know, I don't know if anybody's willing to pull that trigger. Yeah. And so, you know, and so he could be there. You could find him there just because nobody's willing to pull that trigger. Uh, but see, I would I would think if Philadelphia doesn't get him, to me he makes the most sense in, in Buffalo uh, because they need a running back. They got everything else they need. They can't run the ball worth a damn, and he would be a perfect fit there, which is why in Dallas, if you want him, I would make sure Buffalo didn't have a chance to get him. Yeah, and, and, and to your point with Buffalo, I mean, again, we saw this last year with Devon Miller signing. I mean, Buffalo's a team that's going – their window is right now, and I think they understand that. And I think when you look at teams whose window is right now, that's where it makes sense, like the Cowboys, like the Eagles, to go out and say, okay, this is a guy that we can use, that we need, because we're trying to win right now. And really what we do with him in year five, six, whatever, it does not matter because our window is now in the next couple of seasons. And there's some teams out there like that. No, there's a few of them because, again, what are we looking at? You got the Chiefs, but there's really no dominant team out there. So we feel like let's just get to the to the to the Super Bowl and figure out if we can beat the Chiefs. Right. If you're if you're in the NFC, but there's nobody in in there's nobody in the NFC that says, "Oh my God, they're sitting there. What are we going to do?" Everybody feels like they got a shot. So you should be super aggressive. Uh, to try to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, look at what San Francisco's done. I mean, did they draft a running back in the first round? No, but they went out and got Christian McCaffrey and made the trade to make that happen. They go out and free agency signed Javon Hargrave. I mean, San Francisco's a team that goes, our window is right now. Let's add to this thing and, and figure it out. And, and five years from now, kick ass. We'll deal with that when we get there. But as we move forward here, as always, we got to tell you about JR. You know, JR, oh yeah, Freeway Tire Shop, yes. And I know because I've heard from some of you, man, I'd, I'd really like to check out Freeway Tire Shop. It sounds like a, a, a great place, but I live, somebody was like, I live kind of up in the northern part of North Texas, like, you know, up in that closer to Sherman area. And I was like, I, I'm telling you, it is worth it. Pick a Saturday, drive into Dallas. If you don't want to deal with it during the week, I get that. It is worth it no matter where you live. If you are in the North Texas area to get over to Freeway Tire Shop, it's five minutes north of downtown Dallas. Your experience there, because again, to me, now is it worth it for an oil change to drive that far? I understand. But if you need new tires, if you need something that's serious on your car that costs a little bit more, to me, when I'm putting that kind of money in, I, I sure as hell want to make sure I trust the guy doing it and they stand behind their work and I'm getting a fair price. That's why, to me, it's totally worth it, no matter where you are, to get over to Freeway Tire Shop and let them handle your car. No, that's why I started, you know, I was going to say riding, and then I was like, ha, I made it funny. But that's why I started riding with JR, man, because uh, once we went over there, 
I figured out real quickly that I could trust him to diagnose what's wrong with my car right off the bat. And then I figured out that, oh, I can trust him to use quality parts to fix it. And I remember, and I tell you this all the time, he said, hey, if you get this part, it costs a little more, but it lasts a little longer. If you get this part, it costs a little less, and it, it lasts a little less. Which one do you want to go with? And I was like, wow, I got choices. How about that? You know, and then I could trust him to charge me a fair price, man, and then I could trust him to stand behind his work. And so I tell people all the time, dog, if your mechanic ain't doing all of those things, then you should probably ride up the street. It's five minutes from downtown Dallas, man, toward uh, up 35, toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. Go through the light. It's on the right. You literally cannot miss it. It's huge. They've uh, revamped the parking lot so that they got more space. And, uh, dude, let JR take care of your car. And then make sure you tell him that your boys from Jam Sessions sent you. And uh, he'll do even more for you. He'll get you taken care of, man. It's freeway tire shop. It just does not get any better than JR and what he's got over there. You can check him out online at Freeway Tire Shop. Dot com if that's your thing and another thing and we talk about this all the time as well if you're coming in and you're going to get jr to do some stuff with your car head on over to Smokey john's barbecue because it, it is i'm not exaggerating it's five minutes if that around the corner from where freeway tire shop is and Smokey john's barbecue yes they have the jam session bowl which is phenomenal and so many of you have gone and tried it i mean we we have heard I don't know if it's been hundreds. It feels maybe it has been hundreds. It feels yeah. like it has been of pictures of comments of you guys that have gone and had the jam session bowl. And every single person is like, you guys are right. This is incredible. Now, some of you have taken the challenge to finish it yourself. Those are the best. When somebody sends us a picture and goes, ah, I knocked it all out by myself, which blows my mind. Cause this is, it's a sizable portion of barbecue that they put together just for all of our listeners that's not even yes. on the menu, that you have to listen to us to even know it exists. Yeah, bro. I mean, it's fantastic. And then it's the Jam Session Bowl. I got to tell you, I had, a, uh, I had one last week. Yes, I did. Wow. And then I brought the leftovers home um, because I had a meeting uh, with a big wig at SMU. And I took my Jam Session Bowl, brother, with the mashed potato base. And then uh, I had the brisket and the sausage in there, man. And I said, hold the butter. But I'll take everything else, the chives, the sour cream, the bacon bits. Uh, it was something to live for. Then I put two little tubs of sauce on it because I like mine a little juicy. And, uh, yeah, I tried to devour it. I felt very badly about that, but not so badly I didn't eat the leftovers uh, the next day. Well, that's okay. That's, <laughs> it's, it, you got to, everybody has their way of doing the jam session bowl and, it's not just a jam session, boy. You may have somebody that comes in and goes, man, that seems like a lot. I, I just wanted to try something else. And, and you can do that. You can go in there and maybe you look at the menu and there's something on the menu. Thing of it is, no matter what you get at Smokey John's, it's going to be phenomenal. My tip is make sure you get the sauce. You get whatever it is, make sure you get plenty of sauce because their sauce is elite. The best barbecue sauce I've ever had. And you can actually go on Smokey's Market at SmokeyJohns.com and order it, and they'll ship it to you. Where, wherever you are, wherever you are listening, you can try Smokey John's barbecue sauce. Dude, it's, uh, you know, you like to drink it straight from the bottle from time to time. That's true. Like that? I've done it. Yeah, I know, bro. It's wild. I, I like it. I don't like it that much. It's good, man. I don't know. We all have our thing, I suppose. <laughs> and mine is drinking Smokey John's barbecue sauce from time to time out of the bottle. I put it on all kinds of stuff. I mean, I've told you this before. 
not only like when we'll get barbecue here in Alabama, sometimes I'll use it for that, but I've put it on my turkey sandwiches. I'll just pour it in a little bowl and dip random meats and whatnot in it. I just think it's really good. I'm a big hey, fan of it. Do you? It's delicious. I do. So check them out. Smokey John's barbecue. So these Dallas Mavericks, man, and we're going to get into everything, but where we sit right now, thank you, Kyrie Irving who has kept the Mavs season alive by going bonkers in the fourth quarter on Wednesday night. He had 19 points in the fourth quarter as the Dallas Mavericks heading into Wednesday. They had three games left in the regular season. They were playing the third best team in the Western Conference in Sacramento, and they took them down, winning at home. That's a big deal because they have two games left. They are tied with the Thunder at 38 and 42, but the Thunder own the tiebreaker. So, how this works, the Mavs either have to finish 2-0 and hope that the Thunder lose one of their last two games, or the Thunder need to go 0-2, and the Mavs need to win one of their last two games. The good news also, if you're a Mavs fan, if you believe the Mavs can at least go 1-1, the Thunder have lost three straight, and they play Utah and Memphis to close the season. Both of those teams, Utah apparently is still going to try and win, even though they're in the 12 spot and it would need. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. If Oklahoma City and Dallas both lose their last two games and Utah wins, I believe they've got a chance to get in. So they're going to try to win that game. Dallas, on the flip side of this, is, is catching somewhat of a break. Because Dallas's final two games are against Chicago and San Antonio. San Antonio sucks. They're done. Chicago apparently is locked into the 10 seed in the East, and there's a very strong possibility they're going to rest most of their starters on Friday night when they play the Mavs. Oh, no. I think that's already out there. Like, they've already said, like, they ain't playing nobody. So, Uh, you got to like the Mavs' chances to go 2-0. Now, they got to do it because... I mean, hell, Charlotte beat him. Charlotte. I was going to say. <laughs> so, is there is there something here that maybe Kyrie and Luca can find a way to overcome how crappy this defense is? We'll see, but the hope is there, and it's not like the Thunder are any good either. So, it, it, there's a there's a still a possibility the Mavs can go two and zero, and the Thunder lose a game or two, and the Mavs somehow sneak into that ten spot. And then trying to get into the, the actual playoffs is a different beast we'll deal with if it happens. Yeah, we ain't wasting no air that we can use when we're 92 years old on a chain, a tank, talking about what the Mavericks can do in the playoffs until they get there. But the other thing with the Mavs is it felt like Mark Cuban really wanted to jump out and handle some things before Wednesday's game. Almost like he had an idea that they would probably lose and that their playoff hopes would be destroyed because he wasn't scheduled to speak to the media pregame before the Sacramento game. But he did, and he did not hold back and had a lot to say, apparently, about the Jalen Brunson situation and bringing in Kyrie and missing the playoffs, all kinds of things that he went through with the reporters that were gathered there. Again, a non-scheduled media availability with Mark Cuban. You know, man, that's why I say part of uh, being a beat writer is just hanging around because you never know what will go down. Apparently. Um, He said a bunch yesterday. What's the thing you found most interesting? 
A couple of things. I mean, okay, the most, man, that's hard. The most interesting. That's why I asked you. Because the three that immediately jump out was basically kids coming back and he didn't blame him at all. The idea of the new CBA and him and the money that might hinder them from giving Kyrie everything that he wants to keep him. Setting that up right now. Yes. But the one thing that I just was kind of surprised by this was him using text messages, supposedly, to just kind of attack Jalen Brunson and his dad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, let's talk about that. Uh, To me, man, that's just... uh, I was trying to differentiate it and figure out why I feel differently. Um, I like Cuban personally. I really do. But he, he comes off as such a whiner and such an excuse maker. I'm like, you would never, do, you would never allow these excuses in your, other, in your other businesses. Otherwise, they wouldn't be successful. And, you know, his whole thing about Brunson is, hey, dog, well, they never gave us a number, dog. They don't have to give you a number. You give them a number. Make them respond. Like, if, if, if he's your number one priority, give him a number. Well, she never told me she would go out on a date. I never knew what her schedule was. Why don't you just ask, hey, are you free Saturday or the next Saturday or the Friday after that or the Thursday after that? When can we get together? What's up? If you want to go out with her. So all they had to do was put a, put a deal together. Hey, Jayla, we haven't heard from you, dog. Here's what we're thinking. Boom. That's our, that's our offer. What you think? Now, at least you got a conversation going. But I was also reminded of this, Matt, and you can, uh, you can really speak to this as much as I can. Now that you're in Alabama with all that high school football and recruiting with, with Alabama, the most important thing when you're recruiting is not necessarily the money that you can offer now through the collective. The most important thing, and every coach I've ever talked to about it has said this about recruiting. And what were they doing, Matt? They were trying to recruit Jalen Brunson as a free agent, even though he was still on their team. The most important thing, know who the fucking decision maker is. Yeah. Is it mama? Is it daddy? Is it the uncle? Is it the grandmama? You got to know who's making the fucking decision. Because buttering up mama, taking daddy to the game, don't mean nothing if grandma back there making the decision. And the fact that you go, well, we don't know. You don't know Rick Brunson making the decision? Well, then if you want him, you got to kiss his ass to get it done. And instead, you know, I think it became a pissing contest. Like, oh, the family's involved. And so now, okay, if that's who's making the decision then and you want him, then it's just like any other guy you're trying to recruit. Kiss their ass and get it done. You're exactly right. And apparently they did none of that. And the fact that Mark Cuban, I, I don't know, I just find it odd that a, a man supposedly of his stature, of his wealth, goes to the phone and is, is reading text messages that he had saved from over a year ago to reporters. And, and again, it, it sounds like based on Tim McMahon's reporting, that he didn't show them the text, he just read them. Because he says Cuban read reporters text messages that he said were sent by Mavs general manager Nico Harrison and Brunson's agent Aaron Mintz over a year ago in late January and early February. And they're back and forth about Brunson and the contract. Yeah, that just struck me as odd, man. 
Dude, it's um, that's him keeping receipts, and that's him saying in a way, it's not my fault. See, yeah, here's evidence, here's the proof. It's not my fault. It's not our fault. We wanted to do this. We wanted to do. Nah, bro, it is your fault. Um, you know, you could have offered him a deal at any number of times. You know, you didn't believe in him early, and then you believed in him late. Well, you know, he like any other athlete. You should have believed in me at the first. Uh, so I get why Jalen Brunson did what he did, and then I get why his parents did what they did. But um, it's a negotiation, so everything is fair. Nothing's done until it's done. They had plenty of opportunity to try to get his name on a contract and didn't let it happen. And then as I was reading somewhere earlier, if you go back even further, man, it was a dumbass decision to give him the contract that he received because it allowed him to become a, a, a free agent without you being able to control him after that first contract. Normally, you can still control the dude after the first contract uh, for a little while um, through a variety of different measures. But they didn't have any of those included, so he just went from four years in the league to, hey, y'all, I'm a free agent. And then, you know, that's why the price became the price. Yeah, and it's... It's tough, man. I mean, as Cuban says, there was no negotiation. They didn't give us a number. I mean, what do you expect? Exactly. I, I don't know. It's And obviously, I mean, that's been a, a colossal problem all season long, which is why they traded for Kyrie Irving, because they recognized, oh, crap, we don't have another dude that can operate with the ball like JB could. So they trade for Irving, but it cost them, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith was their best defender. So it cost them their best defender. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, whatever, but Finney Smith had worked him, himself in. I mean, we all know that. Dorian was their best defender. Now you get Kyrie Irving, and, and so Cuban addresses that and says, I'd love to have him stay. I think he's happy here. We shall see. The Mavs can offer Irving $272 million over five years, which is more than any other team because they own his bird rights. But then when he was asked about it, Cuban says, I don't know. I guess there's always too high a price depending, but now with the new CBA, it's a different world. And he says that he's mentioned that when pushed on their ability to make the largest offer to Irving, he says, that's not the point. If you can't improve your team, you've got to be able to improve your team. If you've paid attention that there's a new CBA coming, you're aware of that. You've read some of the things that have been reported about team building and those types of things. So I'm assuming what he's saying is with Doncic and with Irving, if they're both on these massive contracts, it leaves... You don't have enough to put out anything else around them, it sounds like, is what he's trying to kind of allude to there. Lynch, yeah, okay, sucks for you. Go make it happen. That's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> like, be creative, you know, figure it out. That's what, I mean, he's acting like the de facto GM, man. That's, that's, what, that's what those guys do. Figure it out. We, the media, we, the paying public, ain't trying to hear why you can't get it done. Just get it done. You know, it's not our job to deal with the pain. Show us the baby, as they say. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, I'm saying, like, just get it done, bro. Nobody cares about why you didn't get it done. Just get it done. Um, you know, uh, now the question becomes, can they? And I don't know. Uh, but you have, to, you have to get Kyrie done. Otherwise, it's been a colossal waste of time. You know, I mean, you've traded all your assets. Um, if Kyrie, Kyrie, if you get him done, he gives you opportunity. 
if you don't get them done, you become kind of like a laughing stock and you're headed back to the shitter. And at some point, Luca's going to be like, dude, I'm not going to waste my time playing for this shit organization. I got to go try to win. Yeah. So Cuban also says the pro, and we all know this. He admits the problem is defense. He says, you know, when looking ahead to the offseason, we need to get better defensively. The game is sped up. There's more scoring. It's more open. We needed better rim protection and more ability to stop the point of attack. You know, they went out in the offseason, got a guy like McGee, which I thought was supposed to be more of a rim protector. He He's completely pointless and irrelevant. So I don't know what you do. It, it, it's going to be interesting. He was asked about Jason Kidd. The question, Jason Kidd, not very popular on Twitter. And Cuban goes, yeah, but Twitter is not the real world. So you're happy with the job Jason has done. Here's Cuban's answer. The identity doesn't come fully from a coach. We didn't have the roster to adapt to how the league changed. That's just the way that goes. We weren't the only team that that happened to. And all these close games were like four and 18. There are things we could have done better to close out those games. So you look at that, talks about that. And when he gets in, again, staying on the subject of Jason and the culture, he goes, I don't think it's the systems or the culture. It's the personnel. So basically saying he doesn't look at Jason Kidd as being a problem or that he's done anything wrong because the way that he's talking here, and I don't, I'm trying to scroll through and see if he was asked about Nico. It sounds like he's looking at Nico going, we didn't see this coming and we didn't prepare our roster correctly. And that would be above Jason Kidd's head. Oh yeah. Um, I gotta tell you, you know, it's, uh, it's whatever dog that, that sounds silly to me. Um, I was talking to uh, somebody who said, eh, that sounds like a ridiculous comment. Um, somebody with the Mavs. But, uh, you know, man, I think it's, uh, this is what I took from that statement. It's just me, your boy. Sounds to me like he's trying to say that basically, oh, well, let me rephrase it. I'm sorry. I got a bunch of thoughts rolling through my head. But here's the best way to say it. Whenever a team has a season like this, what do we always say, Matt? Who's scapegoat? Somebody got to lose their job for a season yeah. like this. Kellen Moore was the Cowboy scapegoat. You know what I'm saying? Can't y'all see it? And if they don't win this year, Mike McCarthy will probably be the Cowboy scapegoat. Somebody got to pay the price when we don't meet expectations. It was Dick Nolan a couple years ago for the Cowboys. Uh, or Mike Nolan. Yeah. So check this out. If Mark Cuban is really the de facto GM, then nobody, there will be no scapegoat. Why? Because he's falling on the sword right here, Matt, telling you it's my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Well, that he's taking a hit for it, which means there is no scapegoat because he's saying it's my fault. And he ain't finna fire himself, much like Jerry Jones. And so now you have to ask your question, is he a worse owner than Jerry Jones? Because it sounds like he acting like the GM too. Yeah, it, it, it does. No, it sounds exactly like that. And to your point, because he was blatantly asked, do you believe rules changes is the biggest reason for increased scoring around the league and your team's struggles? Cuban says this, I didn't expect it to change the way the game is played, so I blew it. It was on me personally. We just didn't make the right changes that we need to. We thought we would be offensively. We thought we would be fine defensively. We weren't. That's where I made a mistake. So when he answers a question like that, I mean, that's so if it's your fault, then you are you are the de facto GM. 
Because you're saying you didn't see the league changing like this. You didn't prepare the personnel right. You made the mistakes. But you ain't no basketball guy, bro. I mean, yeah, you're on the team. Yeah, you shoot, you shoot hoops before the game. Yes, you've been around it long enough to learn from osmosis some things about basketball. You're not the GM, bro. You're not a basketball guy. Right. Go get a basketball guy. Get a real GM. Or if Nico's supposed to be that guy, let Nico be that guy. I mean, it's interesting, too, because he says, because I, I would totally disagree with this. Is this the most disappointing season since you bought the club? He says, no, not even close. If we were 30 games out of the playoff race, then maybe. When we traded for Harrison and Andrew Bogut, he says, this is from a few years back, that was up there with most disappointing because I thought we were going to be good. Okay, he says the 08-09 season, he had to go in the locker room and give a speech asking everybody if they were getting their checks on time because no one was <laughs> playing hard. Yeah, but again, see, I, I just, I don't buy into that. So you traded for Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut. You thought you were going to be good? Did you think that you had a, you went to the Western Conference Finals last year and you've got a legit top five player in the NBA. And you're telling me that completely missing the playoffs isn't more disappointing than, oh, I thought we'd be good with Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut. What are you doing? <laughs> Nobody <laughs> believes you. I'm telling you it's raining. That's so, that, that's like, for a smart guy, that's one of the dumbest things he's ever said. That would be like mm. in the in the 90s, if the Bulls, the year after they lost to the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals, remember the next year they went out and they won the NBA championship, that would be like, oh my God, you've got Michael Jordan and they had Scottie Pippen at the time, so Kyrie and Luka. Can you imagine if back then Jerry Krause and the Bulls were like, yeah, I know we made the Eastern Conference Finals last year against the Pistons, but hey, even though we've got Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, we missed the playoffs. It's okay. I'm not as disappointed as when we, we got Bill Winnington and, and, and Luke Longley to come in here and we didn't do anything. What a joke. That's such shit. Nobody believes that crap. You have Luka Doncic on your team and you went to the West Finals last year and you might not even make the play-in. The play-in. It's ridiculous. Hell yeah, it is. But that's our Dallas Mavericks. And again, to, you, to, to your point, like Jerry, Jerry does this shit where Jerry, you know, hey, I'm waving my, don't look over here. Everybody, oh, I'm the carnival barker. Don't, yeah. don't worry about if it, those games and the rides that are going to fall apart when you ride them. Look at me. I'll, I'll, that's what Mark Cuban is doing here. Mark Cuban's doing what Jerry does where he acts like the season isn't that bad. And, oh, well, you know, we've got all these young guys and all this crap. And, and all of us are looking and going, what are you talking about? Yeah, what the fuck, though? So you're right. He has uh, turned Cowboys, into Jerry Jones. Yeah. Cowboys tend to do more revisionist history. Uh, they act like you forgot what they said, you know, when they made whatever decision that they make, that they made. This to me is just excuse making. It's, it's not my fault because, you know, which is different than the explanation, which is it's my fault. Here's why it's my fault. Here's my miscalculation. Excuse is it's not really my fault because of A, B, and C. And that to me is always a fundamental difference. Yeah, and then the other thing about this as well is, because we talk about this all the time with Jerry, how many NFL owners call press conferences and do the things Jerry does? How many NBA, they call them governors in the NBA, how many NBA governors do what Mark Cuban just did? None. But Mark Cuban is like, oh, you know, I figured I should talk to you guys at least once a year, so gather around, gather around, let me tell you all these things about my franchise that I, I govern. 
Yeah. No, it's wild, bro. It's wild. And again, who knows? Maybe things turn out and by the end of the weekend, because keep in mind, the regular season finale is on Sunday. So by the time we all gather again, it's very possible that the Mavs have done this thing and they have made the play in, which I believe they would play the Lakers and LeBron. My thing is, even even if the Mavs get into the playoffs, how many games can they? Now, Kyrie and Luka might be able to steal you a couple of games, honestly. Right. But I, I mean, how far are you going with the defense like this? Well, they don't play no, no defense, so the answer is nowhere. You know, and that's because one game, you know, Kyrie and Luca are just going to go off and they'll each have 30, you know, Luca will have a 40-point triple-double and then the next night Kyrie will go bonkers and somehow they'll win two games in a seven-game series. How are you beating a team four times? I, I just, because they, they haven't won four out of seven games in forever this season. Well, they got no confidence, man. They don't play with any confidence and it's evident by the results that we've been getting. But we'll see how it goes, man. But, I mean, what a... Cl- what a cluster F over there. The <laughs> Mavs, God. You know what? You may be thinking about that, about your foundation. You may be looking at your foundation and going, oh, this isn't good. My foundation has turned into the Mavs. You see the cracks like you do with the Mavs. You see the, the sloped floors. You see the soil wash out. You realize this is a problem. Well, unfortunately, the Mavs can't really do anything about it, but you can because you've got HFX Foundation Solutions You can give Aaron and his guys a call. They're family-owned. They're local. They service all of DFW. 817-770-0174. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. They also handle, because I know that Dallas has gotten a lot of rain recently. They also handle drainage and gutter installations because all that stuff plays into your foundation. If If your property is not draining correctly and you don't have gutters and all that, that can screw up your foundation as well. So you might want to give HFX a call and have them come out and see what's going on for you. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it, bro. You want to call Aaron and his team at 817-770-0174 and say, hey, my house needs a colonoscopy for the crib. Hey, it's really that simple. We get a colonoscopy. Why? It's kind of uncomfortable. But hey, they stick that camera up there, bro, and they can see all the things that the naked eye can't see. Aaron and his team do the same thing, except they do it to your house. They go all the places you can't see, and they give you a report back like, hey, A-OK, or hey, we found a little something. And chances are they caught it early, which means it's a fraction of the cost if they catch it late. But uh, definitely give Aaron and his team a call. Have them come by and check your foundation. Make sure that everything's A-OK so you can have that peace of mind that we all want as homeowners. It's the easy way to do it, man. 817 Seven seven zero zero one seven four. Check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. The Texas Rangers. Yeah, baby. They have been insanely impressive. Their six-game homestand to open has finished. And was it right? Look, th- th- you knew they weren't going to hold every team to a few runs and then win every game by putting up double digits. It sucks that they lost to Baltimore in the first game of the of the in the fourth game of the season two to one because Martin Perez was fantastic. The offense just wasn't there. The next night they lose seven to two. Those games are going to happen. This is why you went out and signed Degrom, and we talked about this briefly the other day. You won an ace because your ace instead of starting three and three and getting swept by Baltimore, your ace went out on the mound and said, "Not today, friend," and shut down the Orioles. Your offense was able to get into gear. DeGrom, he made a mistake pitch that they hit for a double, and then there was an error, and it ended up making it to where they tied the game. But Jacob DeGrom on Wednesday night was spectacular. 
I mean, he you saw why Jacob deGrom has won multiple Cy Youngs and when healthy, as he has been, knock on wood, everybody that's listening to this, <laughs> knock on wood, knock on wood. But you saw, I think, why Jacob deGrom has been one of, if not the best pitcher in the game when he's been able to stay healthy like he has been so far because you look at what he has done and he, I mean, he was dominant against Baltimore, had 11 strikeouts, shut them down, was efficient, zipped through their lineup and was able to keep Texas in the game. And then Josh Young comes out, hits another home run and the Rangers go on to win to get to four and two in the, in the opening homestand. No, man, they're off to a good start. Uh, the first time through the rotation, I think you can feel good about it. Because, uh, yes, some guys, you know, uh, uh, got beat up. But in general, they kept them in ball games. Um, you can look at the lineup that scored. I like the fact that Josh Young, uh, the, the uh, rookie third baseman, has come up and off to a good start. Because so much of it is about to start, man. Yeah. Do you have the confidence? Do you have the belief in yourself? Because you've never done it before. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a homer yesterday to the opposite field that kind of gave him the cushion for the lead. And here's the other thing, man. They've been playing pretty good defense. They haven't been giving away runs and opportunities. Um, and that, to me, is always important. Yeah, it is. I mean, DeGrom, six innings yesterday, only gives up the one earned run, strikes out 11, walks two. is just spectacular. And this is, you know, I talked about it. This is an exciting team because the lineup is hitting the ball. The pitchers are doing what they need to do. I've mentioned this, and this isn't really anything the Rangers are doing. It's just Major League Baseball. They played the game that they played against Baltimore yesterday. Again, these are not games in which everybody is just striking out and you're going up there and the game just flies through. I mean, people are scoring runs. You know, teams are scoring. Home runs are being hit. Pitching changes are being made. I mean, the Rangers go out yesterday and win a game 5-2. The time of that game, two hours and 19 minutes. (laughs) It seems silly, man. Think about this. So the Rangers on opening day, or I guess not opening day, their longest game of the year was the 16-3 to game in which 19 total runs were scored. That game was three hours and 10 minutes. Their last four games, 224, 218, 230, 219. Incredible. No, that's pretty damn good. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Now the Rangers are off as we record this on Thursday. They've got a weekend series a quick road trip to Chicago to play the Cubs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then back at it at home for a three-game series to open up next week against the Royals before they go down to Houston next weekend. But, man, it's it's a great start. They're 4-2. And, and I don't I don't think we remember this, but I, I went back because I was curious. Last year, they didn't win their fourth game until the 13th game. The year before, 11 games. The year before, 12 games. Now they did start four and two in 2019, and they also finished 78 and 84. And that team did not have the talent or the staff that this team has. So it goes to show you how important it is to get off to a good start and stack these wins when you're able to do so. No, I don't think there's a doubt about that. And again, we're going back to the belief thing. It's important to stack that belief and get have your team believing in itself. Uh, so that you can win some of these one-run games that you traditionally lose. But that's about execution and belief, man. And they're off to a good start. Yes, it is. And you look at this coming up, you got Chicago, who has not been good so far. They're 2-3, and three, and then the Royals have been horrible, and they're going to be horrible. They're 1-5 and five to start. Quite honestly, I mean, th- these are two teams in your next six games. You ought to go 4-2 and two again. Well, that's what the season's all about. Now you're 8-4. and four. Yeah. You know, you're just slowly, you know, 
trying to double up and, and catch those wins. Get so to no, it. It's a, yeah. Uh, and you, what do we say, man? You can't win the title in April, but you could damn sure lose it. Oh, we've seen him lose it. So, yeah, they just need to be, uh, they <laughs> I mean, just need to keep playing well, keep pitching well, and everything else will take care of itself. We have seen the Rangers lose all hope completely in the month. I mean, again, they went 7 and 14 in April last year. Think about that. They already have four wow. wins. They won seven all of April last year. Yeah, bro. I mean, it has been a long-ass time since the Rangers had any semblance of doing anything positive in the month of April. And the fact that they're doing it now, it's it's they're fun to watch. And that's one thing that I, and part of this again, and I went in depth on this a little bit last week, but the way that Major League Baseball, the rules changes have just made baseball more fun, more engaging, more entertaining to watch. But when you've got some of the talent and the players that the Rangers have, they're a fun team to watch because you've got high-end talent with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. You've got some really fun young players like Josh Young. Obviously, Garcia, who had a great story a couple of years ago. But then when you get an opportunity to watch DeGrom do what he did, or Martin Perez last week, who was dealing, even though they lost that game, they're just fun to watch. And the fact that you can sit here and say, hey, uh, first pitch is at six. Uh, well, I guess that's it tonight. No, we can, we, we, we can probably also fit a movie in tonight because they'll be done by 830. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is awesome. I don't, I don't forget how much I missed it to the show back up. Man, it is. There, there is just absolutely nothing like what they've done. And, and I'm so I, I'll say this all season. I applaud Major League Baseball for addressing this. So the other thing I got to ask you, and I already know the answer to this, but I'm curious. Bubblegum. Bubblegum, no. Oh, okay. Are you a bubblegum guy? Man, I haven't chewed yeah, gum in forever. I haven't either. I just no bubblegum loses flavor too. too yeah, I'm not a I'm not a bubblegum guy, but I'll, I'll I'll if I need like a breath freshener, I'll pop a mint or something, but not usually a bubblegum yeah. guy. No, I was just trying to give you a random answer because you said the way you set the question up. Okay, no, it, 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 you nailed it. That was random. <laughs> the Masters is this weekend. You know my rule on the Masters, bro. What's I my do. rule, Matt? Yes, but tell, Tiger's not, not going to be in contention. Then I ain't going to watch it. So there's no one else on tour at all that would move the needle at all for you. Uh, Spieth. Uh, Will Zalatoris is a Dallas guy. He, his home course is my brother's course at Merido. Uh, wish him well. Wish him well. Now, <laughs> if my boy uh, Harold Varner makes a move, I'll watch it. Okay. But I ain't, there's nobody else... Okay, check this out, man. I don't think Varner is in the field, to be honest with you. Well, I hadn't heard him lately, so yeah. So here's how I operate, man. This is just me. It's your boy. And you may point something out to me and go, oh, okay, I feel you on this. I talked with my class at SMU the other day. And I said to them, we were talking, I said, did you watch the men's basketball tournament or women's tournament? Most of them said women, but I've got seven women in my class. So I was like, hey, is that why you're watching? And they had various reasons. I said, I watched the women's tournament. And uh, I didn't really pay attention to the men's tournament. And I said, why? I said, now there's a point here, so y'all follow me. <clears throat> I said, I'm a person who likes greatness. So where are all the great men's basketball, college basketball players? And they looked at me blankly. I said, all the great men's college basketball players are in the NBA. You know, they leave after one year. They go straight to the NBA or they're in the G League or they're in Australia or something for a year until they can get to the NBA. You want to find the best college basketball players. The reality is they're in, they're in the NBA. 
I said, where are the best women's college basketball players? And they looked at me blankly. I said, the best women's college basketball players are playing college basketball because they can't jump straight to the WNBA. So they have time to form storylines. And so I said, like this, who would have ever thought that I would know the women's final four? You got South Carolina trying to go undefeated and win back to back. You got Caitlin Clark at Iowa, the best player in the game. You got Kim Mulkey and Ellis with nine new players trying to do their thing and bring a t- title. And then you got Virginia Tech with a black coach. I always got to root for the black guy uh, if I don't have any other rooting interest. And he's taking a program that ain't never done shit and got them to the Final Four. And you, and you say, what does this have to do with golf? It's like this. I like the women's tournament because it's all about greatness of individuals and, and personalities and greatness of teams. So as I go to golf right now, there's a lot of really good golfers. There's a lot of uh, guys who can – do some incredible things, but there ain't no personality. There's no compelling person. I like, I need to see what this dude doing. That to me was tiger. I can understand that. That makes sense. And then I need to apologize to you. Harold Varner, the third is in the field. My man. He is teeing you know off like? at 11, 12 this morning with KH Lee and Sepp Straka. Well, you know, Harold Varner was the unofficial official golfer of our radio show on ESPN. And I think we exchanged some Twitter, some Twitter conversation. But I like Harold Varner because I just read a story about him uh, yesterday. I think it was in the Athletic, and somebody was talking about it, dude. Somebody said, "Hey, did you go to the Live Tour because of this and because of that, or this, or to change the game of golf or to grow the game of golf?" He said, "I went for the fucking money." I would hope so. That's why they all went. And, well, yeah, but they all come up with these lies about why they didn't go. And he told them, anybody else who tells you they went for some other reason is lying to you because the money that they're offering people is ridiculous. You have to yes. take it. And so I love that kind of honesty. So, yeah, if Harold Varner uh, does his thing, I'll pay attention to him. But I ain't really too interested in nobody else. Right. And, and, and many of you are, are, are aware. But for those of you that are not, my, my brother, Mark, is the head pro at Merido in the DFW area where Will Zalatoris is, that's his home course. Jordan Spieth plays there all the time. Scheffler Romo. plays there all the time. Romo plays there apparently pretty much every day when he's not broadcasting. <laughs> Romo's out there at Merido. And it's a lot of the guys, because a lot of golfers live in DFW, a lot of them play Merido regularly. So my brother knows these guys really well. And he has said before, and he has said this publicly, so I'm not breaking any news here. I can't remember... The, the top 30, the top 50, I can't remember what it was, but we'll, we'll just go with the top 30. He had told me last year that the top 30 players in the world that live went after all of them and offered all of them a $100 million minimum to jump over from the PGA Ooh, Tour. Oh, boy. So a lot, some of those guys, like he has told me, specifically some of these guys that he knows have turned down more than that to stay on the PGA Tour. Wow, that would be a story. I mean, that's a chunk of change, man. And so, you know, that, that's interesting. And, and the Masters is going to be interesting because I had my brother on my radio show yesterday to preview the Masters, and he was talking about with the weather that's expected to hit us in the Southeast this weekend. Kind of cold and rainy, right? Oh, yeah, it is. For instance, for us here in Birmingham on Saturday, it's supposed to rain all day up to an inch of rain or more, and the high is 55. For Augusta, which is, I think, three hours east of here, it's about 280 miles east of here. Augusta, the high on Saturday is 51, and it's supposed to rain all day there. Well, that weather's moving in tomorrow afternoon. 
What'll be interesting to see is, and he pointed this out, he said, as that stuff starts to come through on Friday afternoon, the guys that go out on Thursday afternoon, if you can put up a score, because the way that golf works before the cut, if you play in the afternoon for the first round, you play in the morning for the second round. Right, right. So if you play in the morning for the first round, you play in the afternoon for the second round. And he said, you know, a guy like Tiger who tees off on round one early in the morning, that means he'll have a late afternoon tee time for round two. Is he going to be on the course when the wind and some of the weather and the temperature starts to drop? Because that'll make it a lot more difficult than the guys who have the benefit of going afternoon day one, morning day one before the weather starts to move in. Oh, I can see all of that, man. And uh, all of that matters. We just don't know how it matters. Right. Um, so, no, man. You know, the other thing is, you know, Tiger coming off that that knee, that leg thing when he was in yeah. that accident and almost lost it, I think. Uh, can he play? Don't laugh, people. Can he endure the physical part of the, of the game? Meaning, will he play pretty well on the first two days and then fall apart on the weekend because his body's tired? Yeah, we'll see because that's kind of been what happens to him. I mean, he did well. I'll say well. He was solid last year at the Masters. And I think viewing him to make the cut is something. It's so hard. I mean, we all know Tiger Woods. It's so hard not to rule him out completely just because it's Tiger Woods. But, I mean, keep in mind, this is a dude who shot 13 over par last year at the Masters. can he make the cut? Yes. Is he going to be solid for two days? Yes. Is he going to be able to do this for four consecutive ga- days? I, I don't know that he can do that anymore. He, he has to show that he can. If there's one course that I think he'll ever win at again, Augusta is the one because he knows it so well and he right. plays the course so well. Will it ever happen? I mean, again, we were all stunned when he won in 2019. And that was like mind boggling and holy crap, I can't believe he got another one. I, if he does that again, I mean... Can't even fathom it. Well, you know, uh, Mickelson won one in his 50s, I think 51. Yeah. So it's uh, it's possible they just got to catch it yeah. on, a, on a weekend where they feel great and play great. Yeah, and we've seen, you know, Fred Couples a handful of years ago that was competitive going into the final round before he lost it a little bit on Sunday. But, you know, it, it, of course it's possible, and with Tiger anything's possible, especially at Augusta. But we'll see. I'll, I'll be watching. I'll watch the Masters I don't know if I'll be able to catch any of it on Saturday, but it, on Sunday for sure, my, my, my plan is probably I'll just be watching all the final round coverage on Sunday and, and see who walks away with the green jacket. Yeah, well, text me if it gets interesting. I'll let you know. But that, my <laughs> friends, is the podcast. Masters weekend, the Mavs, will they make the playoffs? Only time will tell. But we'll talk to you again next week. Enjoy your weekend. By the way, happy Easter to everybody. Easter is on Sunday. Hell yeah. So enjoy that. Hunt for, hunt for some eggs or do whatever it is that you do for Easter and enjoy yourselves. And we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere 
you listen to podcasts.